to you live from Tampa, Florida, post-Hurricane Ian. And this is the one website put together by veterans, Marine combat veterans, who actually serve their country. This is providing fact, not fiction, on issues facing America on both the domestic and the global scene. So we just want to provide facts and let you take it from there. So first of all, I'd like to introduce my co-host. There's Big Bad Joe Bitts, who served combat in Iraq. And then there's Mean Mean Ray, who's great when it comes to anything about firearms, gun laws, and weapons in particular. And he's a licensed gunsmith, and he knows his business. So if you have any gun gun issues, I would ask him. And that includes the law. So, But today we're going to be focusing on a couple issues. The first one being is now that we're about a week past Hurricane Ian hitting Florida and the Carolinas, the question I like to pose how is hurricane aid going to be structured? The reason I bring that up, if you look at past disasters, especially like Hurricane Sandy that hit the, the Northeast back in 2012, the Congress put together an aid package. Over $50 billion was spent, but only $17 billion of that $50 billion went to the actual hurricane. Others' money was spent on Mrs. Pet Projects. One of them was the fishery industry in Alaska and the fishery industry in Mississippi. Other money was spent in Virginia that was unrelated to the hurricane disaster. So is this going to be a replication or a duplication of what happened then? We'll have to see. So what is your – do you have the same feeling um, about this? Well, when it comes to relief for well, – the- relief. It just seems like any bill that Congress does, they, they've got to jam it full of pork and they got to put earmarks, which is like some pet project. You pass this, I'll give you a bridge or a railroad you know, in your state well, or district. You said it before, is that never let a tragedy go to waste. Yeah, and Rahm I think, Emanuel said that. And I think that's like they're using that, especially when the president today was talking with Governor DeSantis. And he, when he was making his speech, he's like, because of global warming. So it's just like you could definitely see the the drive or the narrative that the Democrats are trying to push no matter what. And it's just we're just kind of waiting for something like this to happen in their backyard so we can get a better understanding. Even like uh, a couple of months ago with the shooting in Uvalde, Beto O'Rourke thought it would be a good idea to challenge Governor Abbott right then and there when he was morally trying to console Correct. what was going on. Well, but on see, on this one, both parties play this. Even Republicans are no different than Democrats on this. Yeah. Is they, especially Republicans, they have this virtual signaling about cutting government waste, making sure the budget is leaner. But they, too, when they get into power, that's what concerns me. And I want a change in Congress, but I want people who get elected to do the business of the nation. We just crossed $31 trillion. And I want people to let that sink in, $31 trillion. So I don't want both parties to use this because we're only like five weeks out from the midterm elections to shame the other party saying, well, you didn't vote on this, but you'll vote on this, when they people need to realize what's in the bill. I want this to be a standalone bill, like all bills should be. If you're going to spend money on this, it should only go to that. Nothing else should be in it. But Congress can't help themselves. They got. So are they ever going to put like a rule in place saying, hey, we're going to write a bill and this is all that can stay in the bill. We can't put your extra added stuff in it. They had it a little bit where they banned earmarks. Well, earmarks are back. 
and they throw that's like a lot of the like the inflation reduction act which is an inflation reduction act in name only but there's a lot of pork in it you look at the covid bills that came out there was a lot of jam through on pet projects even the american rescue plan was that was a giveaway to every special interest group so we're at 31 trillion dollars we need to get a handle on our finances because that impacts us when there ever is another natural disaster or there's a calamity or an economic downturn, we're not going to have the money to deal with it. All we're doing is just taking a credit card that's mortgaging our children's, grandchildren's, great-grandchildren's future. Yeah. But that's my fear in this one because we're five weeks out. Now that the Democrats control both branches of the Congress and the presidency, will they try to shame the Republicans by passing a pork-laden bill without any oversight, without any accountability to shame the Republicans. See, you vetoed against it. You don't care about the people suffering when the vast majority of people don't understand what's it's in the bill. Yeah, go ahead, Ray. So Silver Fox 4406 said, green energy equals money grab. What are your- no, I would agree with her. I mean, Joe mentioned it a little br- briefly how the president's cl- talking climate change. I wrote an article about that regarding how climate change is hurting our economic prosperity. Now, let's take a look at South Florida or the Lee, uh, Lee County, Sarasota, Fort Myers. If we're supposed to electrify the country, how are these, we still got about 300,000 people without electricity a, a week later. How are people in that area gonna fuel up their vehicles with electri- electricity when the, all the electricity power stations are down? How are they going to fuel, How are they going to use their gas stations, or grocery stores, to to commute? How are they going to get the business moving when there's no electricity? If everybody's supposed to be on wind and solar, and it's been proven. Look at Europe. Europe is going through the same problems, and they're going to have a very bleak winter because they embrace the green technology. And I'm not saying wind and solar cannot be part of the energy grid. It still cannot be the primary. You still need fossil fuel to cover the rest and that covers about 70 to 80 percent of the energy used even if you went primarily with wind and solar you would still need 70 percent of the backup to be fossil fuel so did the president actually compliment our governor ron DeSantis on how well of a job he was doing i was at work so all i heard from the news report it sounded like it was they were nice to each other. I didn't hear any negative. I know uh, President Biden was caught on a mic saying something like you're in charge or you've done a good job. So I don't know all the ramifications on that. I'm hoping it continues, but you know it's not because partisan politics is coming up. And the other thing that came up, it, I don't think it was brought up in this discussion, but four looters were caught down in I think Lee County, three of the four were illegal immigrants. Well, doesn't it just add clout to what DeSantis was saying yeah. about illegal immigrants? Well, it's just the same thing here in Pinellas County, which is a county over from me from Tampa. There was a deputy sheriff was killed by a, an illegal immigrant in a freak accident, but there still was the was an illegal immigrant who was deported in October of 2021. So this adds fuel. But see, we're in an election year, and you have Governor Chris going out with Governor DeSantis, but then you also have 
Senator Marco Rubio up for re-election against Congresswoman Val Demings of Orlando. So I'm going to go back to Silver Fox 4406. He said, we need renewables, but cannot go without petroleum products. Can we also add the retort there, too? No, but I mean, Silver Fox is right. We're not ever saying not to use or not to invest in renewable energy. Just cannot be the primary source. It just doesn't work. It doesn't add up, and the cost is too prohibitive. It can be part of the energy grid to give energy, but still you're going to need fossil fuel. And that's what look at right now. The OPEC and, which, and Russia caucus is with them. They met in Geneva, Switzerland today, and now they're going to cut production by two, 2 million barrels a day. President Biden sent his top energy advisors over there, and they were basically rebuffed. And the president today stated he's going to open up the Strategic Petroleum Reserve and dump another 10 million barrels into the uh, the global, not the global, the U.S. domestic system. But we're at the lowest level of our Strategic Petroleum Reserve. It goes all the way back to 1984. We had 233 million. We're at 333 million, 100 million more people. And what happens, like, say, next year or what happens in the winter if there's an extremely cold winter and you need energy, we're almost going to empty the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. It's not a smart move. And I'm not sure, and many experts have speculated, may not do as much good as every the president hoping because he's going to get pounded in the midterm elections on this. Now, is OPEC just messing with us? Like, are they going to be like, well, let's like, screw with America a little bit. Let's just drop about, you said, 2 million barrels? The problem is with OPEC, OPEC doesn't fear America. Yeah. Nobody fears America anymore. I'm not saying we have to be the big bully on the block, but nobody fears the United States, and definitely nobody fears Joe Biden, because every time President Biden makes a statement, he has to walk it back. How many times did he say we would use U.S. military forces to defend t- Taiwan? And he said that four or five times, only minutes later to have his advisors walk it back. But if we had Orange Man in there, it might be a little different, you think? Well, the point with OPEC is... We, it's funny that the Biden administration is encouraging Russia, definitely OPEC, Venezuela, to increase their energy production when he refuses to do it with the United, with our own energy production here. We can be self-sufficient. We once were. We can drive down the cost of energy, and we can create jobs by shipping natural gas to Europe at fair market value prices. So they're not beholden to Russia. That would punish Russia. So, Chaos0311 said, dude, pretending nuclear power doesn't exist. Say that, say that again. Dude, pretending nuclear power doesn't exist. I'm not, I would need it for context, but nuclear power can be part of that. It has to be. It's clean, just like natural gas is the cleaner of all the fossil fuels. And that reduced our greenhouse emissions far faster than it did Europe who embrace the green technology. So we have to look at everything and not just be solely reliant on one or two sources. Like with this green agenda, they want to push green technology. And just look at Florida right now. Like I said it earlier, they're 300,000 without electricity. So if that means they have no electricity, how is everything else going to move if you can't power up your vehicles? You can't get any 
fossil fuels. It would be devastating to the U.S. economy. So Beach Baby mentioned, like, have you heard of a way out they're going to be able to replenish these reserves? Has there been a plan in place, or is it just like willy-nilly, they're just giving out barrels? Well, like right now what they've done in the past, but right now in the future, there's no plan to replenish it. I know Biden's talking about using some of the money, I mean, some of the backfilling it, but that's when it's oil is at 80 to $90 a gallon or barrel. What President Trump did when oil was really low, he backfilled to make sure it was full because it's easier to fill it when oil is trading at 30 to $40 a barrel. It's far better. Oh, let's fill it up then. You don't really want to do it when it's 90 to almost $100 a barrel. That's just, it's going to be very expensive. And by him depleting it the way he did, it's going to be very expensive, especially the way prices are going, to, to backfill this, the petroleum reserve. I'm going to go with another question. You Beach, go. Ba- Beach Baby 226 said, didn't we go through a period of closing nuclear power plants? Don't remember for what reasons. There are a lot of the reasons. One of the reasons was 1979 was Three Mile Island. Nothing leaked out. It was contained, but there was a leakage there. And then you had Chernobyl. And then the other one was the tsunami in Japan. I'm going to butcher the name, Fukuyama, which destroyed that nuclear power plant. Fukushima. Fukushima, thank you. And a lot of people said that was the death nail of nuclear power. But it can be viable. In California, they're getting ready to shut down Diablo Valley, which they kept open for a little bit because it's going to hurt them producing enough energy. So that needs to be looked at. I mean, we have greater technology now to prevent what happened. That was like a once in a friggin', I guess, lifetime event to have a, and they're prone to stuff here. So it, it just needs to be looked at. We need to look at all sources and not just be heavily reliant on one. And then we, by producing energy independence, we're not beholden to Russia and Iran and Venezuela. That's why those three countries' economies cratered, because once energy, we didn't need them. It's just like when Iran bombed the, an oil refinery in Saudi Arabia. I think it was like 2017, 2018. Everybody thought that there would be a spike in energy, and it wasn't because America took very little from the Middle Eastern region, and we were energy independent, and we were selling energy. We're the largest natural gas producer in the world. Next after us is Russia. Why do we want to give up that leverage to Russia, and why are we not building new refineries? China is. Are we going to be beholden to China and then lesser degree Mexico? So going back a little bit to like nuclear, is like when nuclear is good, it's really good. But also when something bad happens, it's yeah, really bad. Yeah, I mean, really like bad. the situations that we mentioned. But I mean, and especially like if you want to go back to even like Chernobyl as well. But also like there are a lot of other options when it comes to creating energy like one of them being fusion the other one being solar not panels but actual using the rays to heat up a conductor steam it's almost like a solar you're making in a sense you're making a solar nuclear plant there's a lot of things they need to look at well the thing is that they're not getting the funding that they need so is it just like big oil stifling that because they know it's going to hurt their bottom line or is it just like is it our government knowing that there's a plenty of renewable resources out there they're just not taking those opportunities i think it's the other way around because right now government is doing everything they can to prevent the banks from going to 
loan money to the energy sector, especially the fossil fuels. You had Tareeb Shalib, whatever her name is, the progressive member of the caucus who chairs it. And she was chastising the, the banks for not curtailing loans to the energy sector where they are getting subsi- heavily subsidizing the... I mean, I know the, f- the fossil fuel industries get subsidies, but they're also subsidizing very heavily the renewable energy market. So it's just, it goes both ways. So, but also like, why is this administration so against oil, but yet they're all like, hey, China, hey, here's some oil. But see, that's that's the question I wish the reporters would ask. If you're all in favor of fossil, I mean, if you're all against fossil fuel, why are you begging OPEC? Why are you wanting Russia? Why are you wanting... Venezuela, why you want to sign a nuclear agreement with Iran so they can get more energy on the market? If you're against fossil fuels, wouldn't you say, we're not going to buy it from anybody? That doesn't make sense. But why are you curtailing jobs in America, considering we have better environmental standards than Russia, China, obviously, the OPEC countries and Venezuela, in Nigeria, which is also a heavily energy producer. Well, that gets me, too, because we're heavily regulating our emissions, like, from a point. But we're, I think, only producing 6 to 16% of the emissions that are up in the earth. Yeah, we our so, emissions have dropped considerably. And considering we pulled out of the Paris Climate Agreement, while Europe stayed in and their emissions went up and relative to the United States. And then... China doesn't have to do anything until 2030 per the agreement, and that makes no sense. So China's building more coal-fired plants and exporting those plants to other countries. But isn't, like, maybe the Paris Accord, isn't that kind of maybe they're thinking of altruism? Like, we're doing such a bad job. We'll, We'll put some money in there to think we're doing a good job and then we could just up our admissions uh, emissions and it does we know we're still doing a good job because we're still contributing to the parent the, but parish. see the problem is as much as they wish it to work it doesn't work the technology isn't there sri lanka is a prime example they in the last year or so they put a heavily emphasis on this green agenda and they had a very vibrant agricultural economy where they were able to feed its people and they were able to export a lot of agricultural products. Now they basically are in food famine because you need fossil fuels to fuel a lot of things like fertilizer and all the other entities that go into that. So you have these, it's like in the United States, you have this group who pushes fossil, anti-fossil fuel but they're not subjugated to their own ramifications of their own policy. They get to do what they want. Like they fly on jets while everybody else has to do this. They talk about the cars. I can't afford an electric car. I don't make fifty over the money I need to get a $50,000 electric car. I live in an apartment. How am I plugging that in? You have a house. You park your truck outside while your wife parks her truck inside. How are you charging your vehicle? Like, I commuted up here. I'm parking on the street. Ray's parking on the street. How are they? How are we fueling or charging our vehicle? So, I don't know if you've seen them. I've seen, like, about, like, two, but that's because of the neighborhood I'm working in. There's a few e-trucks out there. Correct. And those things look really weak. Like, you could just, I could beat them up. That's how weak they look. Well, okay. We, okay, let's look at it this way. We just went through a hurricane. Yeah. 
And prior to the hurricane, everybody runs around trying to get all their hurricane stuff, get prep their home and stuff. I moved up to stayed at your house for two nights. About three, I don't know the numbers, I'm just throwing this out. About 300,000 people from the Tampa region fled to the north and went toward Orlando. How is everybody charging their vehicles in a short period of time? And then when they get up to Orlando and these other cities, are they going to have the infrastructure to have 300,000 come in like that? And then when everybody relocates back, and look at the damage in South Florida. How are these people getting the energy and the electricity you need when the electricity system is down, the grid is down? It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. But, uh, I mean, also the fact that everybody fled to Orlando and the hurricane hit there. So. Exactly. So, but, I mean, <laughs> even the battery life of an electric vehicle in Florida lasts about, most batteries last about three, four years tops. But it's going to cost fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars to replace it. Well, here's a little something. So yes, the battery does have a capacity of a certain mile range. Range, correct. However, so last year they let the cat out of the bag a little bit. That if you pay a little bit extra, your three or your three hundred miles can turn into like four hundred or four hundred fifty miles if if you pay extra. So, so what happened is Elon found this out, and he he released he let the let that go for a, a couple of days, okay, just so they could. But wouldn't you be more upset that you actually have about four and four hundred and fifty miles worth of battery, not three hundred miles, and for whatever reason, just because you're not paying enough, it just it and, you, and but think about how if you. It works if you've got the money to have an electric vehicle. Most people, the average salary in America is about fifty-two dollars to $55,000. Most people are like, okay, take for yourself. Joe, you do fairly well. You've mentioned this on the show. You do fairly well. But can you afford to have one vehicle in your family worth $55,000? Because that means you, you travel to commute to work. Your wife travels and commutes to work. Yeah. So could you afford $55,000 on one vehicle? Yeah. See, well, but, yeah, me, yes. But it, most it, people can't. Yeah. And then the subsidies are like $7,000. So that drops, let's say, to But those subsidies only work for a certain like year or a certain amount, too. Correct. You're going to say, oh, we'll give you seven, but they're like, wink, wink, we're only going to give you three. Yeah, and then how long will those subsidies last? True. So we're, but see, we're trying to do this. All in a 13-year a period because California wants to ban all gas. You can't buy a gas-powered vehicle in the state after 2035. That's but only about 13 years away. How's that going to affect me? Just because California doesn't want gas, I mean, we know that Florida is going to still have... The I reason why it's affecting it, because the president wants to have duplicate what California is doing. He's Calif always, yes. But California is forcing the auto companies you got to go by California standard because they don't want to build cars for California, build another set of cars for this state. They're going to just adopt one. So they're going to be forced into doing something that's going to be pushing other states because you have Massachusetts, Washington, and other states want to duplicate what California is doing. Well, so going back a little bit to Florida, us evacuating and stuff like that, another thing that came up is that our, well, our House Speaker and our vice president are saying the quiet things out loud. 
Uh, oh, yeah. One with our House Speaker oh saying that we can't afford to get rid of our illegal immigrants because we need them for crop for cleaning. Crop picking. Yeah, crop picking. That, <laughs> but also our Vice President, she said that you know FEMA should be working for those that are less. Go uh, based the, fee, the based any aid that comes should be done on equity. Equity, yeah, and should be equitable outcomes. And I'm looking at you. Are you kidding? Then you had President Biden, and I'm going to paraphrase, making he was making a statement that he was basically raised by Puerto Rican, around the Puerto Rican community. Now I work with somebody. <laughs> I work with somebody who's Puerto Rican, and we talked about this. And my thought process is just like what Speaker Nancy Pelosi said when he, President Biden said what he said. I think he might be right. But I think the reason he might have been raised around the Puerto Rican individuals, because those were probably his butlers, maids, and gardeners. So, like, from my perspective, okay, and not saying I relate to the president, but so, like, where I grew up in, in Jersey, and a lot of the time, you as well, you're connected with your church. Correct. And the churchgoers. So, the area that our church was in was, like, was more heavily black and Puerto Rican, a little bit of Cuban. The Hispanic community, like the mm -hmm. Mexican, not so much. So I, in a sense, I mean, I grew up with fellow, I grew up with Puerto Rican family members or I would say like church members and stuff like that. And I mean, I can relate because I, I was like, I was all about the food. I know the beans, rice, the empanadas. <laughs> I mean, I was just, I was like, in, I was in like, Hot look, heaven. I was a little fat boy heaven. And my mom, she would, her hairdresser, they were Cuban. We had Thanksgiving. Our family member, our Thanksgiving was with next door neighbor. He, his wife was from Spain. He was Dominican. So I really grew up in there, but I'm not going to be like, oh, I was well, raised by me, Puerto Ricans. See, for me, I had the opposite. I grew up in a part of California. It was one of the wealthiest counties, but we weren't far from wealthy. My dad was an iron worker. He made good money until I was in first grade. Then he got a severe skull fracture. This was 1972. And he went through... He's got recovery. Then he went back to work. And because of what he did, they just retired him because he couldn't work up on the iron. He worked up in the building, the skyscrapers and stuff. So roles flipped. My mom went to work and my dad stayed home. So we didn't have a whole lot of money. I mean, if you look at where we lived, we were house rich, but we were friggin' poor. And if it wasn't for Prop 13, for those who aren't from California, that limited property taxes. So our property taxes were very low. So we were able to stay in the home that we grew up in because of that. But we still had to go out to work. That means, I mean, how many people, when you ask your parents for a few bucks, hey, dad, mom, can I get some money? I need to get this. We were the other way around. We gave our parents money. So as soon as we were old enough to work, do rake leaves, do gardening, do paper boy, the money we earned went to our parents. And even when I worked as many hours as legally possible, when I was in high school, and then when I joined the Marines, I remember my older brother and me, we sent allotments home to help our parents out. So I didn't know what it was like, even though we lived in a very affluent area. It was hard on us being poor kids going to a wealthy high school. I rode my bike or walked or took a bus yeah. to go to school. So when Joe Biden made that statement, it's just like Nancy Pelosi. We remember during the pandemic, she had a news crew go out, and she was in San Francisco, and she goes, oh, I'm hunkering down. Well, they took a picture of her kitchen, and she's complaining about, 
oh, we got this kind of ice cream. But it was elitist because she had a $20,000 refrigerator and she had this high-end ice cream, like a little pints, that you can only get from Texas. It doesn't sell in California. You have to ship it in. How many people ship in ice cream? (laughs) Most people don't. So when Joe Biden talked about this, he always talks about, I'm this kid from Scranton. He lived there till he was nine. Then he moved to Delaware the rest of his life. So Joe Biden really doesn't understand, doesn't know as much as he talks like that. So when he made that comment about I was around Puerto Ricans, the first thing I thought, were these the gardeners and the maids and the cleaning crew that came into your home? Because it just didn't make sense. And when, when Nancy Pelosi's made her statement, I think she firmly believes that these people can Oh, you can come here, but you're the maid. You're the, the gardener, and you just pick our crops. Remember like Martha's Vineyard when DeSantis sent those Cubans up to Martha's Vineyard? Yep. They didn't want them. They shut them off, and they're just supposed to be the big sanctuary haven. Yeah. Is this because now you got they're not the same gardeners and housekeepers that you're used to? So winding down, I think we should bring it over to Ray a little bit. If, yeah. he, if he has anything to say. When it comes to like Second Amendment issues and stuff like that. Well, we- before we get around that, that's a good point. I want to ducktail that crime is surging. And the one thing we talked about a little bit last week, but this is when I want to get into race expertise. I read an article yesterday that we're seeing concealed carry permits on the rise. And I had a woman come into the, the shop today and just let everybody know I work at a law enforcement supply company and we sell firearms. Not a police officer. I'm not a police officer, but we sell firearms. And a woman came in. She just turned 21 in July, so happy birthday to her. But she wanted a firearm, and this was her first. She shot before, but this was her first handgun. And I go, why do you want a handgun for? Why do you want a, a firearm? Because I want to be safe. So you're seeing a lot more females and minorities get concealed carry permits, learn and fight. We get a lot of minorities coming into the shop, and I always ask them, because we always want to make sure they get the right weapon for themselves. Right. Yep. And we, I always ask them, why are you getting a handgun? And the number one reason is I don't feel safe. I want it for my apartment. I want it concealed carry. I want it in my car. I just don't feel safe. She had mentioned that there was a road rage incident, and she felt very threatened that this person was going to harm them because they tried to attack them in certain areas. So are you seeing the same thing? I mean, are you feeling the same thing, the synergy from people talking about, because you know all the thing about guns. Yep. And just let you know, if I have a gun question, <laughs> Ray knows his stuff. But you know everything about guns, and I'm sure people know that, but are they asking you more and more questions about what gun should I buy? What does this do? Tell me about what stand your ground, or you mentioned the Castle Act. The Castle Doctrine. I'm not, I know what everybody thinks. Most people know what stand your ground is. It's pretty self-explanatory. But what's the Castle Doctrine? Castle, castle Doctrine is defending yourself and your property. So pretty much if you're in your house, any possession you own, your boat, your car, your place of business, you're allowed to defend that. And the Castle Doctrine does vary state to state. Uh, like along with stand gun, your like ground. Most gun laws. Yeah, so I mean, like Florida is very liberal with their law. So pretty much if anybody hits your door, comes in through your window, you're allowed to just shoot them on sight and protect yourself. Place where I came from and Joe's from, New Jersey, we actually have, their castle doctrine is you have a duty to retreat. 
So no matter mm. where you are, you have to be the furthest point, run away from your attacker, and then if you can't get to any point in your house and you're the farthest away, then you can engage. And that's a good point because the woman, I always ask people, because I mean, I'm sure Joe knows this and you'd know this too, where I like to talk to people. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, really. That's great. You're a socializer. So <laughs> I was talking with her. I go, so, because most people, like other states, aren't from Florida, come from somewhere. It's a rarity you run into someone who's lifelong Floridian. Yes. So I always ask people, where are you from? And I go, I'm from New Jersey, and or I'm from Ohio or New York. And we've met a lot of people from the Northeast. So I always ask them, why'd you move here? And then one of the reasons is like, oh, man, you ever been through the winter up there? <laughs> then the next question is, it's not safe. Yep. And they're just, when they come down to Florida, they just amazed that they can carry a gun. They can get a concealed carry permit. They got more freedoms as much as President Biden denigrates Florida, but you have more freedoms here to live your life, especially during the pandemic. But a lot of people are seeing in these northern states, in these northern cities, in these blue states, the rise in crime. And even the FBI just showed for 2021 that, and I know it's 2021, but it's murder is on an uptick. Oh, across the country. And then you see all the violent crimes. You saw the video of that horrific beating that woman took from this homeless guy who had a repeat history of criminal activity. And she could potentially be blind as a result of it. Well, and that's the thing. Like They, they want to target an inanimate object, which is a firearm, which is a gun, right? Because that's going to be the easiest thing to blame. But really, as a society, we've relaxed our laws. We've relaxed our way of prosecuting individuals. I mean, we've already made murder illegal. No, we murder have. is illegal. So when you murder somebody, you should be going to jail. Now, that's also why we go to court, because when you do shoot somebody in a self-defense situation, you do have to prove yourself that you defended no, you yourself. Do. And then that becomes a justifiable homicide. But when you have just senseless killings, and I mean, they're senseless. They're out of the blue. That needs to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. But see, then when they do get arrested, I've talked to law enforcement from the federal, state, and local levels. They're frustrated, especially at the federal levels when it comes to like immigration enforcement. They're just hands are tied. Now, Governor DeSantis fired the state attorney in Hillsborough County because he wasn't prosecuting yep. criminals. He wasn't charging him with anything now i fault him for focusing on the abortion issue but that really wasn't it the main focus is that i've talked to law enforcement they were glad he got fired no. they want to charge people who are committing crimes so something i do want to go back on what you said earlier because you did say a lot there with the guns in the beginning yes we have seen an uptick and i have to tell you from 2020 the start of the pandemic. Oh, just to let you know, at this point, Joe's drinking the nectar. <laughs> He's drinking, drinking. No, I mean, it's from the start of the pandemic of 2020, 20 million guns were sold. And that was people who never had a firearm in the house. They were against guns. Good. They didn't want this. They didn't want that. And what was the first question when COVID hit? It was, I need something to protect myself now. Well, because they're seeing, especially the violence that, okay, I can see, I understand after George Floyd was killed. But they saw the violence that happened through that summer, and they saw the police were told to stand down, can't protect you, and you call into 911, and they go, you're on your own. Even yep. when the, there was a, an incident in Baltimore, I think it was like 2015, same thing, the same thing. The police told the community, 
if you have a gun, you better arm yourself because we can't get there. So then they see all this and they're worried about what, who's going to protect me if the police can't come. And I've talked to law enforcement, especially we had officers move in from Chicago. We had someone come in from Cleveland. We have a few that came in from New York and they're saying, we can't do our job. So what they do is they just patrol unless a call comes in, they're not going to proactively do anything because they don't want to be targeted for being sued, and especially in New York, where you get sued and you're on your own, you're going to be financially ruined. So I went to Chicago for the weekend. Oh, yeah, there you go. Well, and then, so on our way back. That's what I was going to ask. So, what was it like? I don't know, it was fine. I mean, because we're up in North Chicago. And it's, Wait a minute. You should have gone down to... Oh, I do, I do have okay if you want <laughs> if you listen to all american gunslingers i'll tell you my south side chicago story and but american gunslingers because it's a little more edgier than yes this. but so i went to chicago it's north side michigan mile i mean it's it's the richest area but that's where they chicago. were targeting for the looters would go in or well, the shop I didn't, we didn't see any that much well that's good but i'm glad you're safe because that but, would ruin our podcast so we're on our way back <laughs> i happened to talk to somebody that was from chicago and he was going to go see his parents because his parents are in Fort Myers. They okay. lost their house. But I was talking to him, and he was reading a book called, I think it's called The Killing the Celebrities, another Bill O'Reilly book coming okay. out. But so I ginned up a conversation with him, and what he, we started talking about, he goes, yeah, you know what? I, like in my area, crime is, has gone up a lot. And I'm, I'm, do I really want to get in this conversation with him right now, right at the airport, about why your crime is up? I mean, I just, I wanted to say so much, but I just had to let it be like, all right, we'll talk about this later. (laughs) But it's almost like up there and maybe even like other cities like New York, California and stuff like that. It's, there's an increase in crime. You're like, oh, we we don't know what's going on. Like, how can you be so obtuse to that? How can you be? The only thing I can suggest is if they're not talking, don't see as a problem, is just like in New York City. After that brutal subway beating of that woman by that homeless individual, one of the socialists on the city council, New York City Council, stated, well, this is overblown. That's only like a smidgen, like 1%. Well, the commentators were back as like, maybe in your neck of the woods, maybe where you live, maybe because you have security, like Cori Bush, the the firebrand progressive out of St. Louis, she's all about defund the police, but then she spends three, four hundred thousand dollars on security for herself. So basically, like progressives usually do, rules for one is different from the rules for thee. Yeah. And people are scared. And I've seen it, even in my store, we deal mostly with law enforcement, lesser degree civilians. But look at that woman. She's 21 years old. She was an attractive female coming in, and she's scared. She's literally scared about crime. So I did want to go with Ray. I think I have to wind no. it. Ray, if you got one more thing, you bring it on. Bring it on. It. Let's bring it on, Ray. Come on. We have definitely seen in the last few years a very double-digit percentage. I cannot give you the exact number, but it is up there of women who not only are getting their concealed carry, but also buying firearms. That is in the double-digit, high double digits of women getting Correct. firearms, and even in like the last few years. So that is something to make note of. What do you have to say, Joe? So before I tell John where, how can they reach us, before I tell him that, 
I want to go to you because you've also, not only are you a gunsmith, but you've also are doing something else. If that's something you want to talk about, people can reach out to you about your notary or notarizing service. Because, I mean, you're going to get some good service when it comes to this, especially from a Marine. We're thorough when it comes to our stuff. We read through everything. So, Ray, how can they get a hold of you if they want to know more stuff about the Second Amendment, about gunsmithing, or even... Uh, if they need you for some services when it comes to notary. So notary and everything Joe said, and then uh, hopefully future gun range plans, We can you can get a hold of me at raymond.aags at gmail.com, and that's where I can answer questions about Second Amendment, gun control, state law, and customizing your fire. Okay. The, but the other thing, last point for Ray, just to let you know, beyond just what you've just mentioned, Ray's also a good source if you are a first-time gun buyer that he can walk you through and talk to you about the different firearms to get. So we, he can really, it's a little easy, it's a little harder when it's over electronics, but he can walk you through and kind of give you ideas what you should look for if you're a first-time gun buyer. And before Joe comes in, what to look for when you go to a gun store to make sure you're not taken advantage of. Because I knew a, fr- a friend who have a friend who was taken advantage of. They sold her a very expensive firearm that really wasn't the best firearm for her to get for her first firearm. So Ray would be that good contact to make sure you get what weapon is best for you. But what red flags you should look at when you walk into a, a gun store. So, and then I wanted to go back to you, John. How can they go ahead and get a hold of us? Oh, wait, actually, going back for, if you're going to reach out to Ray when it comes to, like, Second Amendment issues or gunsmithing or buying a gun, put Ubaldi Reports as one of, like, the subject lines (laughs) so that we know that we're talking to somebody that's listening to the show and if some random per- if but if some random person asks him what gun should I buy, we might just kick you off to uh, Homeland Security. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, John, how can you go ahead and get you a hold of us? You can find us by going to ubaldireports at gmail.com. That's ubaldireports at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on all our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, um, Facebook, obviously TikTok. Was it Tumble? Tumblr. Uh, Tumblr. Tumblr and some of the others. But and then Not Tumblr, no. We're not on Tumblr. No, no don't not. go to Tumblr. Okay, but yeah, don't go there, but... <laughs> Check us out on all uh, past shows that we've done on all the social media podcast streaming sites. Let us know what you think. We may not agree on every issue, but we're not going to be insulting. We're just going to rebase it off fact and take it from there. But keep listening and keep following you, Bali Reports. Yeah, and go ahead and you can go to All American Gunslingers where Ray and I, we have our own little podcast that we can get a little bit more edgier, spicier. Edgier? They drink the devil's (laughs) nectar when they do the show. (laughs) And... You can get a hold of us at all, allamericangunslingers at gmail.com. And if you want to hear the Chicago Southside story, we will tell it next week. So we'll be looking out for that. And you guys have a great day. And keep following Ubaldi Reports till next Wednesday at 730 Eastern Standard Time. You get to hear more from Ubaldi Reports.